We have the perfect Valentine's date planned for you. It involves your closest business besties, a Zoom login, and a roadmap of resources to help you have the best year ever. We're talking about the Niche Open House on February 14th. Every day, we want you to wake up and feel confident in your systems and processes, excited about the types of clients and trips that you're booking, motivated by the group of advisors that you have surrounded yourself with. And that is why we created Niche. Our Niche membership comes with a robust library of quarterly revolving resources, exclusive teak-hosted trainings, and community roundtable events with other advisors so that you can walk away with your peers' best business practices in mind. On February 14th, we are showing you a behind-the-scenes view of our platform, a peek at our current Q1 resources, as well as giving you a rundown of all the upcoming events in 2024. This is one reservation you aren't going to want to miss, and you don't even have to fight for it. So skip the candy, the balloons, and the stuffed animals, because we want you to be our sweetheart. RSVP for your spot at the Niche Open House on February 14th in the show notes. It's no secret there are a million details that make up every trip. And let's be honest, it's very easy for those small details to fall through the cracks and make a big impact on the overall client experience. On this episode of Teak Talks, we're bringing Ashlyn Puckett back onto the podcast. Ashlyn is our workflow guru and previously served as a client experience manager for a host agency. Her role consisted of taking meeting minutes for weekly meetings and supplier trainings, auditing agent back office systems and travel documents, inputting itineraries into Travify, sending and processing client invoices, dividing out general agency leads and tracking conversion, preparing wrap-up documents, managing concierge requests and welcome letters, and crisis management. And well, let's be honest, that's just the tip of the iceberg. That is exactly why she's the perfect person to talk us through how to audit a trip prior to travel in order to minimize risk of errors and oversight. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat and join us to talk all things travel and business. Welcome back, Ashlyn. Thank you. It's great to be back. Let's take it from the top and let's talk about when you feel like it is an ideal time to start auditing the trip. Absolutely. I think there are probably four main points where you want to be auditing your trips. The first being at the point of the deposit to ensure that it matches the proposal and all details align with the client profile before you actually go ahead and book that trip. And this is something that you can have your client sign off on, which I love um, with that client profile form. With the booking confirmation, you can require their signature also signing off that they've audited their information, which I love. Then you want to verify that no passport details have changed leading up to travel. We think 45 days is a really good sweet spot to do that. I know that we've had this happen where we've had clients who are about to go and then they submitted their information and it had changed. So thankfully, they weren't going somewhere where they needed that six months. But it's really nice to have that information 45 days prior to travel so you can update anything if needed. 
The reason that we actually created the 45-day touch point was because of COVID. And so many people were doing micro weddings and they were coming back to us right before the trip and being like, oh my gosh, I forgot to tell you that my passport changed. And when it's right before the trip, it makes it very hard to change an airline booking or really anything. So we implemented this at 45 days so that if someone, one, didn't have a passport at the time of booking, we could collect this before they traveled, or two, if those details had changed before they traveled. So in times of COVID, people were booking and then they kept on like punting the departure date down the line. So it could have been like two years after a lot of life can happen in that time period. So this 45-day touch point was really a quality checkpoint for us to say, okay, we have 45 days. We can let the vendors know so that ferry tickets are ticketed correctly. We can let the airlines know so that there's time to adjust this. And there's also time for the client to complete the form and for us to review it because let's be honest, clients don't complete forms immediately. So that's like an ideal world that they actually fill it out at the 45-day point. And if they don't fill it out, it's an extra point of documentation stating like, I did ask for these details and you didn't give it to us. So minimizing that liability and putting the onus on the traveler, which you know we are all about. Yes. So I think the next point that you really want to be auditing all of the details of the trip, concierge details, just reconfirming rooms and all of that good stuff is about 30 days before travel. A lot of the times this is when we're going to be sending those wrap-up documents to between 30 days and 14 days out. And I think at that 30-day mark, it's a really good time to go back, review their room assignments. If they had any requests like connecting rooms, go ahead and reconfirm that with the concierge. And just make sure that everything matches going into travel. 30 days gives you a good amount of time to react if something is off and go and reconfirm and make sure that that is the way you want it exactly before your clients even depart. After that, the last big one I think is auditing details to compare to the deposited booking before sending the wrap-up documents. So that's another big one that you guys really want to be doing before you go ahead and send those final wrap-ups. Just make sure everything aligns with the way it was when you booked the trip. I love that. I feel like the biggest juncture that we came to where there were a lot of notes and action items because our spreadsheet had like an action item column next to each section that we're about to get into. We're going to walk through the spreadsheet that we would use and break it down into sections and we would have a notes column next to each section. And so where we found the most, I don't want to say like errors, but areas of opportunity to tweak things would be at that 30-day point before we send those wrap-up documents. And I think that's natural, right? Like some things may have changed from deposit to finalizing the trip. You may have added air since then. You may realize that you haven't told a hotel about the arrival and they need to arrange the transfer accordingly. So there's a lot of things at that 30-day point that can really add up. This is why I think a business model would be very interesting for someone that capped the number of trips they took per month. Because to me, I feel like half of my year's income was reliant on May. And so in April, we were just chickens with our head cut off and every other detail of the business fell by the wayside to service the sale. Now we would have potentially cut ourselves off 
for revenue if we didn't say yes to all those trips. But I feel like during the month of May, my stress was incredibly high. I definitely couldn't take any time for myself. So now being in a, in a different season of life, I think that it's really important to be intentional of how many trips you're taking based off of the things that align with your life. And marketing for the months that you want to fill, because like I didn't go heavy on the ski marketing. And I know that that was an area of opportunity that I could have had a lot more revenue in December, January, February, March, and I could have balanced out my year. So that has nothing to do with this podcast, but I just say that because the workload was so heavy for you also during those months. And I just feel like someone should have had like a blood pressure monitor on us at all times. <laughs> or <a> ring sooner. <laughs> yeah. That aura ring would have come in handy. So now we utilized a spreadsheet that Ashlyn created that all of our niche community members have access to as a resource in the resource library. I think that's important. Shameless plug <laughs> for $35 a month, you too can have this gorgeous spreadsheet. But if you're not a niche, if you're not familiar with the spreadsheet, or even if you are and you want more details on the why, I think it's always important to know the why behind the creation of a resource. So we're going to talk through the platforms that we're auditing because it's not as simple as, okay, look at the documents and make sure it's reflected in the itinerary. What I found was interesting is sometimes the documents would say something and I would make sure it's on the itinerary, but the itinerary would say something that wasn't on the documents. So you actually have to do like a back and forth flow because you don't want too much information on one. And I'll give it a primary example. I would quote with a wholesaler for proposals and it would include an estimated price point for ferries. But then after they would quote that, they would remove the ferries out so that I could deposit the trip. And if you've worked with this wholesaler, you know exactly who I'm talking about. It's classic vacations. I would do a proposal comprehensively with classic vacations and I would bring in short flight legs. So say someone's going from Italy to Greece, ferries, et cetera, but maybe I wasn't able to hold that space because with classic vacations, you can actually hold space, but there are certain items that cannot be held like the ferries and those inner island or inner country flights that are in Europe. So I would pull those out to be able to ticket the booking. And then I would say, hey, we're going to add these in later. Or in a worst case scenario, I would forget to add them back in when I deposited. So it, it took a, a real manual effort. So then I'm going to sell myself out because travel advisors are like their own worst clients. I created the proposal and itinerary with my royalty re reward points with classic vacations. Another shameless plug for episode 56. I removed out the inner city flights because I wanted to hold the space. I forgot to add it back in when I deposited. I realized the morning of my flight, and I say morning because it's 3 a.m., that I had not actually brought that flight back in. This might sound very confusing, but if you've ever worked with them, you'll understand. So it opened me up to risk. So obviously, I know that it could open myself up to putting myself in a position with clients that if I don't bring that back in and I send the invoice and not the invoice says it's included because maybe I was looking at the proposal, not the deposit, then I have falsely created an invoice with like saying, this is included, this is not included, but I actually didn't bring it back in. So all that to say, when I would get to the 
Travify itinerary, I would be making sure that everything on the documents was on Travify itinerary, but I wasn't always verifying that everything on the Travify itinerary was on the classic vacations documents. And that's where it got me is I had extra things on my Travify because I had brought it in as a proposal. That's a very long explanation, but I think that just emphasizes the importance of making sure that the details on your digital itinerary creator, whether you're using Access, Travify, TravelJoy, et cetera, match your documents just as much as it's important to match your documents to that digital itinerary. Have you ever had an unhappy client and then immediately checked to make sure that your terms and conditions had you covered? If not, props to you, but that's not the case for everyone. If you're like us and you want to make sure that your client can't hold you financially accountable for any loss due to last minute cancellation, because of bad weather, a missed flight, a positive COVID test, or any other situation, we know they happen, then you'll be happy to know that the legal page has your back. The Legal Page is an online template shop run by a real lawyer, Paige Griffiths. She took the time to work with us and get to know the ins and outs of the travel business so that she could make an incredibly robust terms and conditions template. If you're ready to get legally legit, start with The Legal Page. Our link to the travel industry specific agreements can be found in the show notes. All right, I'm going to save my anecdotes and I'm going to let Ashlyn run away with this. Let's start out with the first section, which is that itinerary creator that I just went on a rampage about. Can you walk us through each column of this section and what you are verifying when you are preparing to either create the travel documents or just reconfirm after the point of booking? Yes, absolutely. So the first thing that you want to look at is, are the country's entry requirements noted in the information section? So what we did here is we would actually hyperlink the entry requirements from like the U.S. Embassy website for that destination. This applied a lot during COVID and the requirements were changing. It felt like every day, honestly, at one point. And so we would hyperlink them so that at any point when they wanted to go look at the entry requirements, it was always the most up-to-date information. So you definitely want to make sure that they're getting a link to the entry requirements just in case things do change. For example, I know Europe was talking about having a visa in 2024. They then maybe weren't going to do it. I'm not exactly sure where it stands now, but that's something that you want your clients to know and do before going and traveling. The next is, are the most recent supplier documents uploaded to the platform? So like Jen was saying with Classic Vacations, they also ticket ferries prior to travel. So that's something that they would send out train tickets as well, like right before travel. And you'd need to go and add those to the itinerary, send them out in the wrap-up docs. So that's something that you want to be looking at is making sure that the most updated, most recent, new, fresh documents are added, not something from the time of booking, if there might be changes. Then you want to check and see if all flight numbers, train numbers, ferries, et cetera, match the itinerary. This one's really important as well because you want to make sure, again, that they're getting on the right flight, they're going on the right ferry, that the times align. From my experience, when I went to Greece, I know now that the high-speed ferries are always late. And our vendors told us that. They're like, don't worry. We were there waiting for 20 minutes. She's like, it will come. And then there's people asking us, like, what's going on? Where's the ferry? And if you have the right information, you're good. That's such a good point to manage in that section of the itinerary too, 
adding that additional detail, like, please don't be alarmed if the ferry is late. This is somewhat typical. Just ensure that your number matches up with the right platform that you're waiting on. I will be the first to admit that before you came along, I was moving way too fast and ferry numbers, train numbers, train numbers really don't change that much. Neither do ferry numbers actually, but flight numbers change all the time. And we know that. And if something has been canceled and then maybe your DMC or your wholesaler has swapped out for an alternate inner island flight and you don't reflect that on there or even a ferry time needs to be adjusted to accommodate XYZ for an activity that morning or, or something like that. These things can change up to the last minute, really. And that's why I love a digital itinerary creator, because you can pop in and just edit something, shoot someone an email and say, like, if you've printed this, please make sure you are constantly reviewing the active link because I'm updating things here and I just updated this. And as long as you're managing those logistical details, like you just said, like, don't be alarmed if this is late, you're empowering your clients with that information. And it instills so much more confidence in you as a professional. Yes, I agree a hundred percent. It's the same with when you go to the Cancun airport, like your transfers are confirmed. Don't freak out when everybody wants you to get in their transfers. Just tell them that it's just that extra level of comfort that you're giving them, making you feel like an even better travel advisor. So that was a good one. All transfer locations, times, and contact information are reflected as well. A lot of the times with transfers, they give you exact meeting points. They give you times, contact details, but they don't always give them at the time of booking. It's again, one of those things that they sometimes give you later on leading up to travel, especially with transfers. I know Ireland was a big one where they would assign a driver like right before travel because they were so busy. So that's something that you want to make sure as soon as you get it, you're adding it to those documents for your clients as well. Then in the reverse, all locations, times, and contact information match the documents. So you want to make sure that what you have in Travify, again, or Access matches your documents and vice versa. You want to make sure that all excursion meeting locations, times, and contact information are listed for each day as well. I cannot emphasize this enough, especially with tours. That's really a point that I want to drive home because there were times that as the advisor, I had to dig deeper when reviewing the client documents from the supplier. There was one vendor that my clients completely missed a like sheep herding experience because they simply didn't have the logistical information to get them to that meeting point. It's important to remember like everyone in this experience is human, right? Like it is okay that there are oversights. It is our responsibility as an advisor to be auditing these client documents before we ever pass them on to a client themselves, because we need to be able to justify them, answer to them, because we are going to be the voice behind the urgent call if they are not finding where to meet. Number one thing that is important to me is that the appropriate contact information is there and not just the DMC themselves, because sometimes they might just have like one point of contact and they're kind of triaging these calls and they have to get back to you. I want the actual guides point of contact. And you can put two numbers in there. You could say like tour operator, that would be your DMC. And then actual guide would be another number. 
And to me, having those emergency contacts in each section, each event is much more important than having it at the top of the documents in the information section, because people are going to be looking at that individual event. If they don't see the information they need, they're going to panic. They're not going to be like, oh, let me go back to my informational section. We know this. Travelers don't always read the informational section or the header of their itinerary. They're looking in real time. And I think it needs to be friction-free and be able to provide them the location, the contact information, the time. We even created a resource for the niche community that was like copy and pasteable tables that you could put into Travify so that it was reminding you exactly what information you needed to provide for your travelers. And I used this the first time I ever used it was for your honeymoon. I was actually just thinking about that. I was thinking, <laughs> that's so funny. I was thinking about my honeymoon. Did you feel like you had all information at your fingertips for that? Like you didn't ever reach out to me for anything. You handled all itinerary changes on your own and through your concierge. Absolutely. And I had all of the information on the itinerary to do it. What I was thinking about was when even they slid under my door, my transfer details for the next morning. Like it was amazing. The transfer, like slid a paper under our door. It's like, here's your transfer details. Here's where to meet. Here's the time. That was amazing. And then also I was thinking about when we went to Pompeii, the driver dropped us off and was like, I'll be back in an hour. And then we got done and we were like, where is he? So I just texted him and he came and got us. So it was like amazing because we had everything we needed. And I think if you do that, it again reduces the amount of contact that you have with the client and it just makes you both happy to have all the details. I do also want to note that Ashlyn, you are, are you millennial or Gen Z? Technically Gen Z, but I don't identify. (laughs) I like to be, I want to be a millennial, but I am technically Gen Z. I'm 97. I think it's important to realize that you are going to naturally lean towards technology. So I would say younger area of millennials and then going into Gen Z, like you don't want to contact your travel advisor if you don't have to, frankly. So it's important to be aware of your clientele. And if you've got a multi-generational baby boomer clientele, that's the lead traveler, you're probably going to hear from them more directly unless you are very intentional about communicating what your boundaries are. And meaning you are letting them know on that wrap-up call or in your wrap-up Loom video, these are your steps for escalation. And I am the emergency, but for actual inquiries and information, these are your points of contact. So it is really important to be aware that certain demographics and psychographics are going to reach out naturally more unless you are very intentional and even if even if you are intentional about communicating it but just know the generational tendencies when you are creating the information on the itinerary i agree 100% like i know myself and i'm going to try and problem solve everything until i go and get help like i mm-hmm. just like to try and figure it out on my own whereas i know if my parents are going on a similar trip also i know they've never left the country but they're going to want paper documents and they're going to ask questions to feel more comfortable. So I think that that's something like I love that you said, know your generation, know your client, and you can kind of go from there with them as well. So the next one is, have you noted what items are confirmed versus strictly suggestions? 
which I was so important. And Jen was so good about telling me, okay, this reservation, we're going to put these in there as options. We're going to say they're optional. And then once we've confirmed them, we're going to go back into the itinerary and say booked. And so this was a big thing for us for tours and activities, as well as transfers, as well as dining. All of that we put and we said option or pending or confirmed. And this was really big. And you just have to make sure that you're going back and updating those things. But it was really helpful for us because sometimes leading up to travel, I want to say it was France. It was really hard to get reservations more than one week out for certain places. They would make you call back or you had to wait until really like one week out to book it. And so we would go back, audit the itinerary, and we're like, oh, this one's not, this one's pending. Then we could go email them or call them and secure that booking. So this is really nice for us, just as peace of mind, as well as for the client, if they're looking and they're like, hey, I noticed this wasn't booked yet. So that's a good one. Awesome. That's a lot right there. How, how long did that, just that section take you typically? I would say it would take me a good hour just because you want to make sure that you're not just skimming through the information, you're actually reading it. Because there's times where you think, I mean, you've read it 10 times, so you think you know what it says, but you missed that it was wrong. You know what I mean? Like it said seven instead of 10 or whatever that was. So I think a good hour going through these items, but even more depending on how many activity items you have. Okay. So let's transition to airfare. Some of these details you may need to collect and some of them you may need to audit to align with your client's information because you have booked it. So what are the points of airfare that you are auditing when you go through it? So the first thing is seat assignments. So this was a big one. Um, we did not do seat assignments for our clients. Typically, we let them select their seats, but we would make the airfare booking And so for this one, you want to make sure that they have gone in and selected their seat assignments and that they're aware that this is their responsibility to select those seats. You also want to make sure that you add in their loyalty numbers to the airline website. Really important one, which you guys all know is that 72-hour window, especially for the TSA and known traveler numbers. I actually goofed on my husband and I's vacation in January and I put his TSA pre-check number on the wrong line. And so I had pre-check and he didn't and we both ended up not having pre-check and we had to wait in those long lines. But I noticed it the day before we left. So I moved it, but it wasn't within the 72 hours. So it didn't stick. Okay. So that's interesting because I know that the airline can manually add it when you're at the airport. So if you're checking a bag, you definitely can say like, can you please add this? But that's not taking it off the plate of the client, right? So to me, I agree with you. It is important for you to make sure that you are allowing yourself at least a 72-hour window. I've never had the issue where it didn't stick. I think our mistake too was we should have gotten a printed boarding pass, but she said, just refresh your app and it'll pop up. So we refreshed, we went to through security and it wasn't on there and they would not let us do it. So we were like, ah, whatever, we'll just go in the line. But I would go ahead and have her print it. If that happens to you and you're there, just get it on paper. Don't rely on technology sometimes. It's just frustrating because it isn't going to be us that's there, right? Like for you, you knew how to handle it because you know the back end of it all. But for a luxury client, they don't want to have to worry about all that, especially if you've ticketed a first class booking. That's not a feel good for them to get there and their status isn't reflected in their system. 
and their TSA pre-check isn't there and maybe they checked in online and they didn't realize it until they get to the line and then they have to go back to the gate. Like just not ideal. And I will be the first to say that I did not always audit this and it wasn't always a concern of mine because I do think that certain aspects of travel are owned by the traveler themselves. And that is my model. Okay. So like everyone has a different model. Some people are very like white glove service. Other people are very hands-off. I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. I just didn't want the backlash. Frankly, I would say I'm not doing this for you, but then we would audit to make sure it was done because we wanted to at least be able to educate the clients on how to do it so that they could own it. And we'll get to this, but like seat assignments. So to me, I'm not always going to assign a seat assignment, especially for economy airfare. To me, that's their responsibility to pick a seat that is comfortable for them. But then we would get backlash if someone was separated because European airlines don't always seat people together and they give you the seats 24 hours before unless you pay to solidify them. So there are certain things, especially when it comes to airfare, that we would say we weren't doing, but we were doing on the back end just so that we could sleep at night. (laughs) It's very true. The last one here for airfare is the genders, birthdays, and name spellings are correct on the booking. And that's, I think, honestly, one of the bigger ones because you definitely want to make sure that's all correct or they are not going to have a good time going and getting on that plane. Yeah, that's never a great call to receive as someone's trying to board and you're just trying to figure things out. All right. Now we're going to talk about how to handle hotel preparation. And this is imperative to us. And this was a major VIP experience point for us. I guess this was more like a values-based sticking point for me. I believe that when someone checks in to a hotel, if it's especially if it's a preferred partner, there should be a greeting. I want everyone checking into a hotel to have a better experience when they get into that hotel than they would have had if they booked on their own. Here's the thing. We all know this. Clients avoid a lot of risk and errors by us doing the booking for them. Like all of the things we're talking about auditing, they're probably not auditing on their own if they are booking their own trip. They could be out a lot of money and they're putting themselves into a lot of financial risk, especially if they don't know the destination. We're talking about working with destination specialists that are already protecting us in certain ways. We know that there are many other details that can go haywire and can put someone at financial risk. Now, they don't know that (laughs) because we hopefully are catching all of that before they ever get there. And that's where our job gets incredibly hard. I don't want to send the email of like, I audited your trip and these are all the errors that I found because they're going to be like, why were the errors made to begin with? And I would say, well, you would have made double, but we're not going to show the behind the curtains in that way. So we have to showcase other ways where our value shines through. And a lot of the time that's putting on the polish of the trip. So this is where we put on the polish. So tell us a little bit about how you go into preparing the hotels for our clients arrival. Yes. Good question. So we would prepare a letter to the general management sales rep or concierge with a welcome letter attached. We would give them their clients a rough estimated arrival time, dates of stay, their names, if there is a special occasion or the occasion in general, just vacation or honeymoon, the room category, the consortia that we're booking through, 
the client details that may help the hotel customize the stay. For example, some of their favorite food and beverages for welcome gifts and the itinerary of the client. So we would send this all in one email. I know several people do this split up through different emails, but we found that they enjoyed it more when we had it all in one email chain versus several different email chains. And so we used to do it throughout different steps of the process, but then we started at the end just doing it all in one and it actually made everything so much easier to keep track of. And this was really nice. We could also reconfirm any special requests like dining reservations, transfer assistance, just saying, hey, we booked all of these through you guys through the concierge. Can we just reconfirm everything? Are we set with this room category at this point too? If they had upgrades through, say, Virtuoso, then they would say yes, but we're going to upgrade. We have the availability. So that was a really nice little thing for us to see just to reconfirm, feel really good going into the trip as well as knowing that the client is going to have a good experience. And then also logging the hotel and the reward system if applicable. We just did an episode, episode 59 with George Eliadis. I hope I said that correctly, from Seas Travel. George shared about how this particular point of our process was such a differentiator. And I saw Panos, who works with George, at ILTM. And he said, if every single advisor did what you did, then it would go smoothly for us as a DMC and every client would have a wonderful welcome experience. And to George's point, he said, you know, we're giving the information to the hotels already. But to Panos's point, he said, the email template that you've created, which is in our supplier communications bundle, which is on the secret menu for anyone that has purchased our client communication templates, you have created something that gives the hotels the power to create a unique experience. And so whether you have our template or not, I don't care really. The whole point is that you're making an effort to elevate the experience of your client through empowering your hotels to do so. That's the entire point of a concierge desk. That's the entire point, frankly, of creating luxury travel experiences. And whether they're at a three-star, a four-star, or a five-star, I guarantee you that that hotel wants the client to walk away feeling positive about their stay because they have everything to gain from it. And I have had three-star hotels put Prosecco in a room with my welcome letter, even if it's probably impacting their bottom line a lot more than a virtuoso five-star property. So all that to say, reach out to the hotel's Confirm the details because it minimizes risk. We've found discrepancies before in the room categories, and it's really important to make sure that your clients are getting the right room category, obviously. We've found discrepancies where something wasn't actually booked from the wholesaler to the hotel. And I will not name that vendor, but I assure you they have not been featured on this podcast and they will never be. And they were no longer utilized. And I did a lot of business with them actually. But their system wasn't communicating to the hotels, even though it said it had a direct connect. So my clients didn't have the booking. I've had that issue where a system glitched and wiped hotel rooms from a DMC's booking, and we were able to recover it by sending this email. So again, humans are human, okay? And there's always a human on the other side of every interaction giving the hotel the information to be able to audit their system is only going to benefit everyone. 
and giving them the information to enhance the client experience and give them the autonomy to make that decision, whether it fits the investment for them or the investment level of the client, it's giving them control. And you may be quite surprised even at a lower level of property. There's a hotel that I stayed at on my honeymoon and a hotel that it's the same hotel we stayed at when we went to Italy. And my experience was very different for the two. Like the first one, like something about them knowing that it was my honeymoon, that it was a special occasion. Like they were like way more attentive to like every single need that we had, like fresh water bottles all the time, wine in the room every day when we got there, snacks in the room from like local stores. And so I think like just a normal stay versus or like a business stay versus like a special stay, make sure you note that for your clients because they do like to go the whole nine yards for special occasions and clients. So interesting. Let's recognize that there are also staffing limitations and staffing changes and the past couple of years have been very hard. So that's interesting. I do think that's why it's important to always stay relevant on service levels of hotels and how things change over time, management changes ownership changes, things like that. That's wild. Interesting. I did have a friend go stay at Eden Rock recently and she loved it. Same experience that I had. We're talking about Italy. So Hotel Eden Rock, Positano, love it. And Hotel Grand Cavort in Florence. So, so far we've discussed things that have impacted the client directly. But let's flip this a little bit because we all know that business would not exist unless we did the administrative things that actually get us paid. And the client's not going to see that, thankfully. (laughs) Unless you accidentally send the advisor invoice to the client, which yes, I've done before. I just air all my mistakes on this podcast so that people can feel human and hope that they're doing better than I did in the first couple of years. I do really think it's important to talk about the silly things that we've done when we move too fast because it's a reminder to move slowly. And it's a reminder that behind the curtain, no one is perfect. And someone could be sharing these beautifully curated Instagram stories of the luxury fam they went on. And they could be sharing these ultra luxury experience they book for their clients. But there's still something that happens behind all of that that makes it tick. And there's still lessons that someone had to learn in order to get that client. And there are still mistakes that are going to be made that have to be recovered. So let's just all be honest that our job is hard. Being a travel advisor is hard. And there's a reason why there's a lot of turnover in the industry. Let's talk about money because money is funny, but also let's talk about back office. Tell us what you would audit in the back office. Commission is a big one, making sure it's locked, that the booking date is reflected in Travel Joy or in your system that you keep track of that in. And then as well as when that commission is going to be expected so that you can follow up if it does not come in. And then just for like payroll reasons, it's good to have that expected commission number date in there rather. And then all travelers have active passports with the adequate amount of lead up time before expiration. This is a big one that all collected details from the client are in Travify. So anything that they have provided via a form or uploaded has been reflected in there as well. All task lists have been imported and automation has been applied. So this is another Travel Joy specific thing that we were doing. We have task lists built out. We have them included in our client communication templates, if you guys are curious. But we had automation. So we had emails that would auto send. So just making sure that those are set up for the appropriate day and time, making sure that those dates in Travel Joy, the travel dates are the exact 
travel dates because if they're off, the automations will be off. So you just want to make sure that that is all seamless. And I want to add to that real quickly because sometimes we only handle the in-destination travel, right? But there's flights that may change the dates. So we had to recognize sometimes like, oh gosh, we set the dates based off of the booking that we made. This client made their own airfare, meaning they're leaving one day prior, which is impacting our automation. It's, it's off by one day. So let's change their dates of travel to their actual dates of travel, inclusive of the flights that they've booked. And that, it happened to three in a row. And I was like, oh, dang. And and I luckily, I caught it at the 24-hour check-in. They were like, wait, what? I'm, I'm not leaving today. I left yesterday. Just want to make sure everything's okay. It, it didn't really impact the rest of the flow because they're not counting like, no, I leave in 91 days. Your email says 90 so or vice versa. But it is important when you get into the automation of like the arrival date and the welcome home, all of that. Absolutely. We ended up auditing that piece agency-wide as well. And that was something that it was like nice to talk to people about other agents because everybody was doing the dates that we were booking, not necessarily the flights that the client was booking them. So that was a really good thing to share with everyone as well. The other piece is insurance selection. So you want to make sure that it's noted and a quote has been provided. And we recommend having them, if they're going to decline insurance, signing off, having a signature at the bottom of the form where you ask them about insurance so that you have a report in writing that they are declining insurance moving forward. And this is something that is on that spreadsheet is we have a box checking if they have insurance or not so that we know going into the trip that this client does or does not have insurance. We actually have an episode with Travel Insured as well on this. And I would highly recommend listening to that episode one, because I think there's an entire revenue stream that people are not capitalizing on. But two, I think there is a level of insurance to you as a travel advisor that is even more important than the insurance to the client themselves, because it is a protective layer that adds a boundary for you. The things that you have to manage emotions about or compensate for or et cetera, whatever you want to handle however you want to handle your business. To me, a client not having insurance feels like it's opening me up to risk, not just the client. So making sure that you have it in writing that they've accepted or declined or they've purchased from a third-party vendor. I think it's cool if you actually ask for the policy to add to their file so that you know how to direct them. Obviously, you're not going to handle that filing, but just so that you have that extra assurance in your documentation and you can add it to their documents when you do your wrap up. That's a good point. And then the last one internally is invoices, making sure that those are itemized, has the inclusions and exclusions, and it's updated with the most recent pricing. This, I mean, I cannot emphasize this part enough. If you're piecing together an invoice or an itinerary and you're sending it to a client, Just make sure that you have which vendor it is booked through. If it's not booked, if they need to pay upon arrival, you want to note that in the itinerary and the invoice because there are certain tours and activities that for my honeymoon, for example, the boat tour that we did in Amalfi, it was amazing. We paid in cash when we got there. So it was booked, but we paid for it when we got there. So making sure that things like that are noted on the invoice, on the itinerary so that your client has all of the information is so important. And that's something that we audited very 
very thoroughly internally just to make sure it was all set, ready to go. Let's talk about risk. I just touched on this. Where did you find that our advisors on the team were opening themselves up to the most risk when auditing? When, like, what were your audit findings overall? Yeah. Flight times had changed and transfers would be impacted was one. Dates of excursions from the proposal and the documents may change, especially with COVID. Sometimes tours wouldn't be big enough and they would text you and say, hey, we don't have enough people today. We're going to move this to tomorrow. Can you do that? And so that's something where you would want to absolutely make sure that you're reflecting that. If you miss it, that's big. So that one Images in the itinerary didn't match the reality of the room they booked, and clients would be displeased with their category. So you never want to fluff the itinerary just to make it look more appealing to a client. You want it to be realistic and reflect where they're actually staying. And then contact information wasn't outlined, which makes the advisor the primary contact, which we never want for you guys. We want boundaries. We love them. You know that. And so make sure that the contact information for the hotel concierge or your in destination contact or the 24-hour support line is all reflected on the itinerary and in your wrap-up email so that they're just not making a hard beeline for you anytime they need something or something happens. Awesome. Okay. We went through a lot. We did. I want to go back and not in a trip now. (laughs) And I will say as an agency owner, I would sometimes ask Ashlyn, even though I had some advisors that weren't yet really like creating a profit for the business, and and this goes into a lot of math and forecasting and things like that, there are certain points when someone gets up to speed that you can start to make profit on someone's business as an agency owner. That's how obviously host agencies work. They're providing resources and connections and in return, they're getting a slice of your pie. Now, there's really not an immediate return for hosts. I just want to be fully transparent about that. But my personal philosophy is that the host is only as strong as the weakest advisor, especially when you're under one branding umbrella. And that's what we were. So to me, it was imperative, even though Ashlyn's income was essentially coming out of my bottom line. And even if someone was not yet adding to that bottom line, I played the long game. And I think it's important for advisors to be educated on gaps in their process so that they can do better. And so if an agency owner, host agency owner is listening, I think it's really a great resource to have a client experience manager to be able to audit on occasion. This is not a service that you want to offer to everyone on a consistent basis necessarily, although I do know some that do that. It was more of a quality control thing for us. And I think we probably did a comprehensive audit for the full agency both on communications and on client trip details, maybe every three months. Is that fair to say? I would say so. That also allowed me to sleep at night because someone wants to talk to the owner. Karen wants to talk to the owner, you know? Can I speak to your manager? So no offense to the Karens out there. That's just a a silly joke. We love all the Karens in our audience. But I will say that having Ashlyn was such a great asset. If you do not have someone that can do this for you, you are opening yourself up to risk because sometimes I wouldn't see what you would see. 
It's true, but it's like the thing where you type something and you it's coming out of your brain and then when somebody else reads it and they're like, oh, you had a typo here and you just completely missed one word in the sentence. Correct. It made sense in your head. It is so valuable to have someone else look at your work and make sure that it makes sense. Even looking at it like as if they're the client, like let me read this as if I'm the client. So I know that there are VA services that can also offer this auditing. I would think that would be a great way of utilizing an outsourced VA service is like, hey, here are my documents. Here's my Travify. Even if you're not having them queue it up, have them audit it and complete the spreadsheet that you've created or that you've received from Niche, whether you're in our community or not. So that would be my recommendation. I agree hundred percent. All right. Thank you, Ashlyn. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your experience and your knowledge. Thank you for joining another TikToks episode. If you're loving our content, we would love and appreciate your support and feedback. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops every Tuesday. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. It means more than you know. I assure you, we read our reviews religiously and I do check constantly on our star rating. So if you want to head to Spotify, give us a five star. If you want to head to Apple Podcasts, give us a five star. If you want to give us less than five star, that is perfectly fine. But please let us know why so that we can grow and we can do better and we can serve our audience better. That's the only way that we can improve our content. Thank you for being here. And we'll see you on the next TikTok episode. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of TikTok. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.